Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiber, 55 past the hour. Time for another Milwaukee Sports Time Out. Joining us now is training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He is J.R. Radcliffe. Following him on Twitter at J.R. Radcliffe. Let's talk Packers, Brewers, and Bucks on this interview. And if you missed part of this, obviously all you have to do is go to 1250amthefan.com to catch the entire interview. J.R., let's start with the Green Bay Packers. In The people that tweet at you and so forth, is there a growing sense right now of people being frustrated with Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, even with all the success that he's had in the last three years? Maybe a little bit. I th- yeah, I guess I think that I think the blame is kind of being pointed all the way around. You know, you hear a lot of Joe Barry, the defense the, the defense just hasn't maybe been as good as, as you'd hope a team that has this many first-round draft picks on it would be. So, you know, Joe Barry, his, his track record in his career is not that good. So I think that's probably where the vitriol is going first. And then and then Aaron Rodgers a little bit as well. The fact that they can't seem to block for him certainly comes up. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think, you know, Matt LaFleur gets a little bit of it. It's, it's really, I think it is a little bit more of an uphill battle to, to really lay it at his feet after the three years that he's had here already, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I have not seen a whole lot of pushback there, but it's coming if it, isn't, if it isn't there already. You know, the more games this team loses, the more everything gets evaluated. I mean, this is the franchise that went 8-8 eight and eight one year under Ray Rhodes and fired him after his first year on the job. So, um, you know, there's, there's obviously very high expectations, and, uh, and I know that uh, – I know that he's going to he's going to bear the brunt of it. That's for sure. That's at some point down the road, if this doesn't uh, turn itself around, are expectations too high for Aaron Rodgers, expecting him to carry this wide receiving core? Oh, man, that is such a good question. It's it's just there's there's just so many nuances with how he works and how the receivers work. I don't. I mean, he, he won back to back MVP awards, right? So I, I realized Devonta Adams was part of that equation. I realized you could say that the receivers are better than they have now i don't know overall if, if that's safe to say like i don't know if they're markedly better maybe just having Devonte adams is that much of a difference maker it, it probably is but understanding that the, the pressure has been really bad coming because the offensive line has really struggled to click and that the receivers are either injured or inexperienced or both th- those are definitely factors that are working against him but the man won back-to-back mvps and at some point you have to ask your, your your two-time MVP quarterback, four-time MVP quarterback, to elevate everybody else, you know, to, to figure it out. And, and we've seen on him he, he, up until this Bills game, which actually is, you know, not clearing a high bar here, but probably his best game of the year. He hasn't thrown well outside the numbers. He hasn't, he hasn't been willing to run the football. He scrambled for just the fourth time this year on a – you know, on a play that wasn't a sack, he's, he ran the ball finally for, for a first-down pickup. You know, that part of his game seems to have declined and, and almost disappeared entirely. It, his accuracy just isn't as good. It, it, and, and 
sure, you can blame the pressure bearing down on him. I, I think you, I think you'd be right to do that in some regard. But I mean, at some point, two-time MVPs have to be able to elevate your team to to new heights, and, and that's just not happening right now with the Packers. You know, the the other part about this when we talk about this is the front office with Gutekunst and and whether or not this front office did enough to put this team in a position to challenge for a Super Bowl this year. Obviously, looking at it now, the answer is no. What did you think coming into the season? I mean, I, I felt like I felt like Devonte Adams was not something that they were going to be able to do. They weren't going to be able to keep him because he did not want to be here. So. With absent that, every other move tells me that this is a team that really wanted to put itself in position to win a Super Bowl. Like it, it felt like it had that. It, it doubled down on the defense in the draft to make the make the defensive unit as strong as it could be. It, it brought back Aaron Rodgers. And it brought back Aaron Jones. It brought back guys that that they felt were difference makers and you know expected to be in the situation. Now, revisionist history starts to tell you that you know Brian Gutekunst's last two drafts haven't been very good. Obviously, the jury is still way out on the current draft class. You can't judge them after just you know six, seven, eight games. But you you kind of wanted to see maybe a little bit more than they have thus far, especially considering they kept every one of their draft picks on the fifty three man roster. The previous year's class is just you know Josh Myers is pretty good. But, you know, you start to wonder where the difference makers are in, in the Gutekunst draft classes. You know, he had some really nice success early on, of course. And uh, and I would say overall, like, it, it, the picture isn't as good as it used to be, you know. And Gutekunst was so aggressive in that first offseason when he brought in those four guys. You know, the Adrian Amos and, and Billy Turner and Preston Smith and Darius Smith. He brought in those four guys, and they really, really made an impact. And he has not been able to replicate that. Some of that is salary cap driven, so it's not like you can just do that every season. But he has not been able to replicate that. The, the guys they brought in have not been hits, and uh, that's you know that's that's holding holding them back. Okay, so let's talk I, about I this. What, what's I was gonna cut you off. The guys they have brought in haven't necessarily been hits, but for the most part, they've drafted on the defensive side of the ball. I could see this mm-hmm. changing completely once Jordan Love is the quarterback. That then they will start drafting more on the offensive side of the ball, and I can foresee Packer fans losing their mind when that happens and screaming, "Why didn't you do that for 12? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I could see that happening as well. You know, never mind, once again, that 12 made stars or helped make stars out of a ton of receivers who were drafted in the second, third round. Like, he did not lack for weapons. Uh, I'm sure the Packers fans would have liked to have had more. Uh, but but you're right. The, the adage I always go back to is in volleyball, you, you pair your best setters with your worst hitters and vice versa. You always want, you know, to... to address you know if you've got difference makers on one side of the ball then address the other side and that's what they've done they have they have done that it's true over time um i don't know if they're ever going to draft a receiver in the first round i mean i feel like they had so many opportunities and they just didn't do it i don't know even with jordan love at at the helm and i don't know jordan love is going to be at the helm you know at this rate if they continue to lose they gotta think quarterback in the first round they gotta think that you know I feel like we would have seen Jordan Love a lot more than we have. We, we just we just don't have a read on him that's positive. We we really maybe don't have enough information at all. But I, it, it's not the same vibe as it was late in Brett Favre's tenure in 2007 when when Aaron Rodgers was about to take over. Aaron Rodgers was slow to start with, but got to a point where they felt comfortable. It doesn't feel like they feel comfortable with Jordan Love. So. Yes, it could, it could be receivers, it could be a brand new quarterback, it could be everything. They could blow up as much as, you know, they could blow up across the board wherever it makes financial sense and uh, and just start anew. Like, this is, there is some threat here that this is a two to three year rebuild in front of us and not just, 
you know, not just a bad stretch of games. It, there is some threat here that this is a multi-year issue that is staring us in the face. And that, I'm sure, is, is worrying some Packers fans. Well, Brewers fans are probably equally as worried right now as this season didn't go uh, as they had hoped with, uh, you know, Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns. You see your window to compete for a World Series open, knowing that it's closing here in the next couple of years when Woodruff and Burns hit free agency. Odds are you're not going to keep both of them. You may not keep either one of them. Who knows how this plays out financially for the Brewers. But then David Stearns, who's been in the rumor mill now for the last couple of years as far as the Mets job and him being linked together. Uh, then you have a general manager in New York, uh, but they don't fill the president of baseball operations role, which leads more speculation that they're keeping it open for David Stearns. So now he steps aside. I watched that press conference as it was happening. To me, it looked like a guy uh, that might start thinking about work-life family balance and wanting to be there for his kids as they're growing up. And that, you know, you know, five, ten years from now or whatever the case may be, maybe then he changes his mind uh, and goes back another way. I guess at this point, I guess I'm kind of leaning that like, he's not going to go run the Mets and he's not going to be some big-time front office personnel executive anytime soon. Everybody disagrees with me on how I read that press conference. How did you read it? Yeah, that's that's an interesting. I mean, I mean, my colleague Kurt Hope pointed this out on the uh, on our podcast that there aren't a lot of other examples you can compare this to where somebody under the age of forty is walking away from a from a front office, you know, the top of the front office food chain to just step away. And and he does have a young family. And maybe you're right. Maybe there is some sort of sentiment that he just needs a break. He just wants to to, to spend time with his family. He, he did. He's done a lot of. He's had a lot of success in Milwaukee. He's really helped this this team find an unprecedented level of success. You know, maybe he's just ready for, for some time off and maybe he'll get back to it later. Maybe he won't. I just, there aren't a lot of examples of guys who are that young period, but, but also just gen, in general, GMs, front office executives, guys who, who crave time off, who walk away when they're, when they're doing fairly well. You know, usually that decision is made for them and not the other way around. So it feels like it, it, I, I'm cynical to the idea that he just really wanted to, to, you know, earnestly wanted to spend time with his family. I feel like there's probably more to that story. I have no idea what that is. I don't know if that's because he's upset that Mark Atanasio wouldn't let him go to the Mets or he thought, you know, maybe this is my last year. So I'll just I will just ride it out as sort of a consultant and then go to the Mets or a different team or, or whatever the case may be. Um, it's hard for me to believe that this is just a wholesome situation. It, it feels like it's got to to be more and uh, maybe it's an opportunity to get Matt Arnold into that top chair I mean the Mets were interested in Matt Arnold too it's not like he would lack for job opportunities maybe this is maybe this is like the uh, a little bit like the Paul Chris Leonard situation where it's like well they've got the next guy in house let's let him have the keys before you know before we lose him so that could all be in play I have no idea what's exactly going on but but it just it, it feels like there's a little bit more there, there's definitely some something behind the scenes and and, and do I expect David Stearns to one day work again in baseball for another team? Absolutely, 100% I do. I don't know if it's for sure next year, but I would I would believe right now that it's 2024. Just go down 94. Theo Epstein walked away. Theo Epstein hasn't, hasn't right. surfaced again. He's I think he's in the MLB front office or whatever doing something there. That I could see Stearns doing, right? Something where he can be remote, doesn't have to necessarily you know, be anywhere all the time and without his family. And in the MLB front office, I believe, is still in New York. So if he wanted to move back to New York and do that and have more of a 9-to-5 job than, than running an organization, but still keep his his feet uh, in, in the game of baseball until he's ready to come back, I think that would make some sense. 
Yeah, for sure. The Cubs are, are a team that needs a little bit of an overhaul or a, re, a little bit of rehab, and he'd be the guy to do it. They're, they're kind of trending upward a little bit. The Angels are a team that has not been able to put it together despite tons of financial resources. I mean, there, there are certainly opportunities out there that you'd think would call his name. I mean, the guy did not leave on sour terms in terms of his reputation. No, 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 no. Like you he's mis- going to have a job. You misunderstood what I said. My, my example was Theo Epstein left the Cubs and has not gotten back in and running a team yet. Oh. He left. Well, no, and but went- he works for Major League Baseball. Correct, and that's what I'm saying Stearns could do. I mean, that's more of a 9-to-5 job. Oh. That's not necessarily running an organization. He can move back to New York if that's what he wants to do, or he could probably work remotely if he wanted to stay in Milwaukee for the time being. Because Theo's another guy that's not all that old necessarily that got up and walked away and gave Jed Hoyer, the next guy in line, his opportunity, even though he failed as a GM in San Diego, but gave him that opportunity now <laughs> to run the Chicago Cubs. Uh, and yeah. both these dudes are analytic guys you know, that don't necessarily have baseball time necessarily prior to getting in baseball uh, and again both guys financially well off don't have to work again if they don't want to I don't think yeah no that's a that is a good comparison I would argue Theo Epstein having brought both Boston and Chicago yes. having shattered two curses I don't I like I literally can't conjure an idea of what he could do in baseball that would add to his legacy like I feel like he's done it all so why not work for Major League Baseball whereas uh, maybe Stearns you know Stearns obviously hasn't even with the Brewers didn't go to a World Series so I would think there's maybe a little more on the table but I, you know it's hard to get inside David Stearns' head he's uh I think he's he's really good at saying nothing, you know. He's and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Like he's he's, he's a good executive. Like he does his job well and uh, has had a lot of success and doesn't really give you much insight into what he's thinking. So I don't know what he's thinking, and uh, and I will be interested to know what he does next. I I would I would expect he ends up with a team, uh, not in 23, but in 2024. And uh, it would not it just wouldn't surprise me if it was the Mets. It feels like there's enough smoke now where that's that's fire. But but I I have no idea. I hope not. Ryan Wood is going to drive me nuts if he ends up with the Mets. That's just uh, the Packer beat writers. Now, drive me nuts being the biggest Mets fan I know. That would not be good for me. Uh, okay, I, I, I wanted to ask you one more thing, and then we'll go to the Bucks. And that is, how far away do you think this Brewers team is from competing for a World Series? How big of a job do you think Matt Arnold has in front of him? I don't think they're very far in 2023. After that, things get a little bit dicey. But I do think they're actually really close. Um, I, they need to spend some money. I, I would argue. I, I think that they should be in on some of the some of the guys. I mean, I would love to see Josh Bell in a Brewers uniform. I would love to see uh, maybe Carlos Rodon in a Brewers uniform as a way to round things out. I recognize that you know they at least they how they view their financial situation. It's not going to be that easy. But you know, Burns would have Peralta if all healthy. Add another guy, let's say even even a middle level guy, you know, with Ashby and a couple other options there. You you have a very, you have again a very good rotation. Think of how how frustrating this offense was and how inconsistent. And this team is a game out a game behind a team that went to the World Series. Like they are right there. I know it was really frustrating to watch and really did not leave us with the impression that they could get into the postseason and make and do damage the way the Phillies did. So like I can I can understand that point of view. I I just. I just they didn't do anything this offseason. They they signed Andrew McCutcheon, which A did not work out in my opinion. B they gave him way too many opportunities to make it try to work out. And C, they were one of the they were one of the lowest spenders in the offseason of any of the major league baseball teams, which which really kind of surprised me. I mean, they were so you know, they were a ninety five win team in twenty twenty one. Why why would you why would you not like really double down on that? So I feel like with that commitment, with that added commitment, they, they do have Jackson Churio coming up through the pipeline. He's not gonna be like ready to go in twenty twenty three, but 
I don't know. You never know. Sometimes a guy shows up for the second half of the season that young and is capable right away, and they've got some decent guys at the top shelf of the other minor leagues who can supplement what they already have. I really think, I, I know it doesn't seem like it, but I really think this team is like one or two good moves away, maybe only one good move away from, from absolutely being a playoff team, and then you get in the playoffs, and then it's just about getting hot at the right time. If your pitchers are all lined up and healthy and a couple bats are swinging well, then you have, you have as good a chance as anybody, and, and I would absolutely point to Philadelphia as an example of that. Yeah. It's interesting because you say they're not that far away. And if you ask me, I, I would just bring up the kids in the outfield. I'm bringing up the kids. Uh, Yelich can be the designated hitter for the time being. Um, and I'm going to let these kids start to play because I do think they are far enough away right now. And I understand that people look at the runs scored and where they rank in certain stat categories and go, oh, the offense wasn't the problem. They had more than enough offense. I disagree. There is nobody in that lineup that you fear right now uh, when you face the Milwaukee Brewers. There is no Ryan Braun. There is no Prince Fielder. There is no MVP type Christian Yelich. And I, I struggle to look at a team that goes to win a World Series that doesn't have one, if not two or three of those type guys in the middle of their lineup. And that's fair, because look at Philadelphia. That's how they're hitting right now. Reese Hoskins is out of his mind right now. Bryce Harper, yep. you know, they, they, JT Realmuto, they have those guys. They are a fearsome offense. The Brewers are not that way. They would not play that way. Philadelphia's starting pitching. You know, Nola and Wheeler are good, but you know, how many other pitchers do people know off offhand? I mean, they've, they've obviously got some dudes or they wouldn't be here. But uh, they took a different approach. You know, yes, they did not have a difference maker on offense. I am acutely aware of that. But they didn't have many black holes on offense either, and that, that balance was maddening because aesthetically it was not pretty and it was inconsistent and it needed to be more consistent. They would have been in the playoffs in that case. So it did not work. And yeah, I think they, I think adding a difference maker would certainly benefit them dramatically. Just one bat in my mind, who's truly above average, I think would be great. Those are hard to come by. They're hard to manufacture. Um, I don't, and, and, and what you said at the beginning, bringing the kids up, I don't think that's mutually exclusive with winning. I think Sal Freelich is an outfielder on a winning baseball team. I mean, he was really, really good this year, probably better than people even realize. And, you know, I don't know. They, they've got a lot of bodies and not a lot of spots. And if Christian Yelich is exclusively a DH, I feel like you, you box yourself in a little bit, uh, which, which I think we saw this year with such an insistence on McCutcheon being the DH. I feel like that, that limited them a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know what the strategy is. And I don't know if you can just go out and get a bat who can really slug it and really lift this team single-handedly. But I'd love to see them try. You know, it's <laughs> funny. Nice. You talk about them not spending a lot of money. But if you look at the 2021 Brewers, according to Track, they were at $114 million. The 2022 Brewers were at $142 million, which was one of the bigger jumps in baseball this offseason. League average was 146 So they were still under league average, but because of these arbitration numbers and everything else going through the roof and Yelich's contract and everything else, they actually did spend uh, quite a bit of money, even though they didn't get that big-name player, like you said. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks quickly, and this is just something fun on the way out. Uh, do you or do you not like the purple uniforms? <laughs> so I was just talking about this with my colleague Jim Ozarski. Our, uh, our Point Forward podcast drops on Tuesdays. Nice. Uh, that's complicated because I, I tell you what, if I think of the purple, I, I like loud uniforms. I'm, I'm a guy who's into like crazy color schemes and stuff like that. I'm cool with purple as a concept. I think that's neat. Th- that era of Bucks basketball is one team and then a desert of, of subpar to, to worse than subpar basketball. So it's always interesting. Like, does it conjure memories of the 2001 team? It absolutely does. That was a fun ride. But the majority of the Bucks basketball during that era does not really – 
does not make me long for that era of Bucks basketball. I'm a '90s guy. This is the tale of the '90s. I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to endorse anything that is '90s or '90s adjacent. Uh, but uh, I, I'll just say, like, I don't hate them. I, I don't I don't love them. They're just fine. They're fine. It's uh, it, it wouldn't necessarily be my choice. Although at some point they were going to get to the purple jerseys. They they've rotated through enough different different looks. Of course, that was going to come up sooner or later. Uh, I'm a big fan of their current jerseys, just the ones that they've worn the last few seasons. So, for me, that's a little bit of a step back. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I have no strong opinion one way or the other is what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm telling you right now, the younger generation loves them. Because I remember when it they actually did come out, people were fuming, mad, and livid that they would change the colors to purple uh, at that moment <laughs> in time with Mike Dunleavy making that call. Uh, and the People hated it, and I was one of the few that actually was okay with them. Got a jacket, a leather jacket that I'm still wearing today, and every time I wear this leather jacket, J.R. Radcliffe, I'm here to tell you, there is at least one person, normally in their 20s or nice. younger, that say, man, I love that jacket. Where did you get it? I say, the 90s, <laughs> and then I walk away, and they start laughing. But I mean, that's kind of how it. it goes. J.R., thanks so much for coming on. Always fun talking with you. Again, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Radcliffe, uh, and check out their podcast podcast that drops every Tuesday with him and Jim Ozarski. JR, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Absolutely. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. There he is, J.R. Radcliffe, 55 past the hour. A Milwaukee Sports Timeout here on 1250 AM, the Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.